it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. You couldn't find any matches? Dry ones? You can ask around, but I couldn't find any. It'll be dark soon. Better get a signal fire started so they can find us. What are you, a Boy Scout? Grown-up version. Under the Peace Corps. They still have that? Just happy somebody your age actually knows what it is. What's your name? Good one. I'm Ana Lucia. Welcome, friends, into another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Podcastica Network, I am Kristen Howell. Yay! Yay! Woo! <laughs> so much I'm excitement. I'm my own hype team. <laughs> uh, yes, so today we are going into further into season uh, two. Not seven. Not seven. Further into season two uh, with season two, episode seven, The Other 48 Days. And on top of that, we are also going to be discussing a little bit later on in the podcast, the season finale of Manifest in what hopefully will not be our final edition of the Manifest Minutes. Uh, It will be for a while. Because, it, again, it is the season finale. But no word yet on a renewal for Manifest. So we're going to have to They're renewing see. it. They'll renew it. They better after the Listen, way it ended. Did you? So I saw an article the other day, and I did send it to you, that said that there were other shows that were not confirmed for season renewal. And one of them was was This Is Us, which is arguably the biggest show on the on that network. So if it was lumped together, Manifest was lumped together with This Is Us and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think Manifest is safe. Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it come back. Just because. But we'll talk about Manifest later. We've got another, show, right. to, we got another show to talk about this week. Because uh, it's the Our show that... Our flagship show. Yeah, exactly. It's the show we talk about uh, every week. Uh, as you mentioned, Lost Season 2, Episode 7, The Other 48 Days. Uh, just to give you a quick heads up as to the format of the podcast, this is a spoiler-full podcast, so we will be talking about things <laughs> that happen both in the past and the future of the series. Um, but other than that, we're going to be bringing you our top points from the episode, top five points from the episode. Um, this is going to be another one that's kind of, I don't know, because I, I, I don't have as nearly as many notes for this episode as I have in the past, but that's not to say it's not a good episode. This is actually one of my favorite all-time episodes of the series, only because I think that this is kind of where in my opinion, where the show really starts to take off. Um, you know, we get an entire, entire, an entirely different perspective from the same planes crash, but different people. And it introduces a lot of really wonderful characters. Mr. Echo is one of my top five characters of the whole series. So it was a lot of fun to get more of him 
So I really, really love this episode and I love every episode from here on out of this particular season. I just think that season two is where they really start to hit their stride and it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you, and you, as you mentioned, you know, this is the story tell, tell, told from another perspective. So, I mean, the title of the episode is called The Other 48 Days, but it really also could have been called Meanwhile. Ooh, because I like that, you know, that's what this is basically what it was like when everything was happening to the people that we know or that we've come to know already. Meanwhile, this is what was happening to everybody else. So that actually goes right into my very first point, if right. you don't mind. No, let's kick so, it off. My very first point is that there are zero flashbacks in this episode. That was my first note, too, because this episode is one giant flashback. Well, not only that, but it's and I agree with you completely because that actually was my one of my notes as well. It's it's one giant flashback, but it's also introducing us to characters that we're not going to get flashbacks on because we don't even know them yet. So it's kind of like pilot 2.0. Yeah. I mean, it really it, it really does. Kind of play at a pilot, right? I mean, you have the plane crash, you have you know, the pandemonium and the chaos that we had in the pilot episode, you have kind of like the beginnings of survival and just, it was all the same elements, but it was done just completely differently. And that's also a couple of, of my other points as well is just the difference in, in each of these, I guess what we could call pilot episodes of the same plane crash. Yeah, I think you know what I think. Pilot 2.0 is is a good observation because you know again, there's no flashbacks. I think I can't remember. Did, I think we did get flashbacks though in the pilot. Yeah, Jack. It ja was Jack for Jack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know. <clears throat> it, it, oh, you know what? I think it was more than that. I think it was like Jack and Kate and Locke. I think that it was all like get everybody and getting on the plane or at the airport or something like that. Okay. But I think I think this, in addition to the fact that they're, and I'm just going to use this as my number one as well. I'm going to kind of expand on yours a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, there are no flashbacks in this episode. We got a, a very opening of this episode, very reminiscent to the original pilot. It, I think the only thing that would have made it even more comparable is if maybe it the episode started with a close up of Anna Lucia's eye over Jack's eye that we got from the original pilot. But in addition to no flashbacks, there's also <clears throat> now there's we do get quick glimpses of them towards the end of the episode. But this is also an episode with none of the original characters. And in fact, when you look at the trivia of this episode, uh, all of the footage of Sawyer is archive footage. Yeah. None of it is new. And, and I don't Michael know that as well. About Michael. OK, I know that Jin actually has an extra scene. When he washes up on the beach, yeah. Right. The only thing I could think of that might be new for Michael is just at the very end when they're doing uh, the the shooting scene because Sawyer was passed out and on that gurney. So, I mean, if they needed, if, if they filmed anything extra where he was in the background of any of it, then that probably doesn't constitute as archived footage like Sawyer was in. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of, though. Um, it, it, one of the other bases of trivia, too, for this episode is the fact that this was the first episode to be based entirely on the island. 
there was no other shots. This this entire episode was shot purely on the island. But I think and that, it's the only episode of the entire series that does not include Jack or Locke. Jack or um, uh, or Locke or um, Hurley, because they were the characters that had been in every episode up to this point. I guess, though, I, I think what my point is, is that I, while Hurley isn't in a lot of episodes along the way, I think no, well, Jack or Locke has always is always in every single episode well, except for this. Well, that's what I'm reading in the trivia. It's actually it says the first to not feature Jack Shepard and Hugo Reyes. So even huh. even even if an episode was not about Hurley, he still always had at least a small cameo. Like when, like talking to Rose or insulting Sawyer about his glasses. He's been in every episode up until this point. It's because you need a good dose of Hurley in every episode. You do. And really, there was no lightness in this episode. No, it's a very heavy episode start to finish. It, it really is. That's uh, interesting. There's not one light moment. Yeah, because even thinking back, like there's nothing in this. There's always at least one moment of an episode that makes me at least chuckle. Uh, or smile, and there really is none of that in this episode. That's interesting. It's 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 a very heavy episode. So, um, yeah. So I, it, again, I, just tacking on to your number one as well. Just it it does. It feels very reminiscent. I think calling this pilot two point is uh, a great way of describing this episode. No flashbacks, no original cast members. Uh, the whole opening of the plane landing in the ocean. It's its not as grand as it was in the pilot. Like, there's no turbines spinning. There's no people getting sucked into turbines. It's all people just being rescued out of the water. But it's still... Which is just as traumatic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, but its its it makes me also wonder, too, is... You know, we see the tail end splash into the water and... As people are coming to the shore, the tail end is still way out in the water. So it also makes me wonder if there are some people that just never made it out of the tail and made it to the beach because they couldn't get out before it sank. Ugh, that's dark. It, well, the whole episode is dark, so might as well roll with it. I <laughs> so steer into the skin. <laughs> exactly. Steer Hello, into the storm. darkness, my old friend. <laughs> um, what's your, your second point? for the episode um well that kind of your point about that just kind of leads right into my next point um and it's just kind of this theme of no because i just kept writing the word no and then another word next to it so i have no real leader no supplies no rest no camaraderie no water no luggage no manifest uh no plane Nothing to help them like the front of the plane had. The front of the plane had the plane itself on the beach. And from that, they were able to use the seats. They were able to use parts of the plane. They were able to use, they found the manifest at some point. They were able to use uh, the drink cart and luggage and just all, they had all sorts of supplies to help them kind of make a small makeshift community that they could kind of build from and, and it strengthened them as a group, which I think directly relates to the fact that there's still so many of them left that are alive. On the other hand, you see the tailies, they landed in the ocean, the plane sank. 
They had what they had on their backs, and that is it. They didn't even have anything to make a fire. They didn't have any water. They didn't have medical supplies. The, the, the contrast in just that aspect of it alone is really, I think, directly related to why things were so much more dire. I don't think it was really the leadership as much as it was the fact that they had nothing to work with from the very beginning. They were playing against the house, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. They were literally, um, they were, how's a good way to put it? Uh, you said working against the house and I was going to come up with another gambling scenario and I really can't. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They, there was a, a lot to comparison, uh, to the others to, or to the, to the, the losties is losties and tailies uh, to the losties is that you're right. They have absolutely nothing to work with. Um, it does kind of lead me though, into my second and third points. So, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back to back. Go for it. On this one. Care. And uh, the first one is very quick, um, you know, but working, you know, with what these people had to work with. There actually was one moment in this episode that made me smile a little bit. Uh, and that is the fact that there's just something about watching five grown men try and catch a chicken. That actually made me chuckle a little bit. Now, I know that the reason why they were chasing it was because they had no food. So obviously... They were desperate to catch this chicken so that they could eat it. But there was just something a little chuckly is it weird? It. Is it weird that nobody questioned the fact that they found a chicken in a jungle? Uh, Maybe. I didn't even really think about that until now. Uh, I don't think it's weird to, to question a chicken. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a little weird. Say it again. Say chicken in a jungle. And you tell me if that sounds right. <laughs> Chicken in a jungle. Nope. Yeah. No, no, there is something a little off about that. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I, I never really put it together. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's something a little weird about a chicken in a jungle. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to, but there's also something a little humorous about watching five grown men try and catch that chicken. Yeah. Until it gets to the point where Goodwin just snaps its neck. But, you know. Foreshadowing. Uh, oh, oh, God. Good point. Uh, but so that was my number, that was my number two or my second point. So uh, going into my third is kind of mm -hmm. touching on something else a little bit too is, and this one's a little bit more detailed is the fact you mentioned in comparison between the losties and the tailies about what they had and what they didn't. The, the manifest was something that the front end survivors had and the tail end survivors didn't. It makes you, and then there's a moment come day seven, <clears throat> excuse me, when Anna Lucia finds the list, and it's the list of people that these uh, that the others have come in to take. So somehow, I mean, they've there's one of two ways that this could have happened. There are obviously we know whoever the the spy was, which we know who it is at this point. It was Goodwin. Goodwin was making this list and delivering it to them. Or I think there's also another possibility, and it's the fact that the others already knew who these people were. All Goodwin had to tell them was this was Flight 828. Because as uh, we 815. 
Oh God, eight two eights manifest. Sorry, <laughs> I'm confusing my shows now. Uh, you're right. This was flight eight one five. That's all the information he had to give the others because, as we find out later, they have the means to find out and about who was on these, who was on this plane. So I don't think it necessarily came down to Goodwin making this list of people. I because how how do you get away with writing these names down and nobody seeing you do it? Well, Ana Lucia did mention that the list had what everybody was wearing next to their names so that they would know who to pick off and who not to pick off. So while they may have the means to find out about the people because of, excuse me, because of the flight information um, that that Goodwin could could tell them. He did have to say, okay, well, that person is wearing blah, blah, blah. And this person is wearing blah, blah, blah. All right. So maybe maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's uh, because, I mean, we, as we do find out later on in the episode, the reason why these people were on the list was because they were good people. And that is horseshit, by the way. What? They didn't take Bernard, and Bernard is a good people. So, well, Echo is not, which we'll find out later. And Echo, they tried to take Echo. Oh, that's right. They did try and take that Echo. Echo fought back. Correct. Well, but all, well, here's the thing, though, with Echo, and this is kind of getting a little spoiler territory. I don't think his name on the plane was his own. He wasn't using his name. He was using his brother's. Which, oh, and his brother was a good person. Which leads me even more now to believe that the list, I think how this situation worked out, and I don't think it's ever revealed that it happens this way, is that Goodwin gives them the flight number, they look up the manifest on their own, or they use um, Ethan's information, because they're, they're kind of both scouts at the same time, mm-hmm. to look up information on these people, because otherwise, how are they going to know if they're good people or not? And then... Thinking Echo is his brother, that's why they try and take Echo. So I think that the others made the list of people, gave the list of people to Goodwin. Goodwin, in return, gave them the list back of what these people are wearing so they know how to identify them. So, okay, so I'm going to just tack on my second point real quick Okay. Um, to, to this discussion. Um, nobody set up a watch at night. So after the first night, when three people were taken, Echo kills two people that try to take him. Nobody thought, hey, one of us should stay awake all night and we should take shifts. That way everybody can sleep. It's just every single time it's them all sleeping around the fire. There is not one person that is awake. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe Goodwin used that time to to give away his list information or something like that. I'm not really sure, but I just thought it was really curious that Ana Lucia, who we know was a cop, um, she didn't set up a watch system. Do we know at this point, at, at this point in the show that she's a cop? I don't know. I was trying to remember what her, um, conversation with Jack was in the finale and I couldn't remember and I didn't go back and watch, but she utilizes a lot of police tactics in this episode. And I think that 
um, if you're a careful observer, it would be easy to know, okay, she is trained in some sort of interrogation. She's either police or military. Right, because she she knew about the knife. She knew how to interrogate Nathan. Um, She was really very clever at picking up that somebody had infiltrated the the group, which nobody else was picking up on. Um, She was really good at kind of hurting everybody and resting and where to go. I, I think that um, if, if you're a cop, if you're a police officer watching this show, my guess is that most police officers would say she's a cop. It wouldn't be a surprise in the next episode to find out that she was a cop. Well, which is exactly what we find out. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the next episode <laughs> is her uh her is her backstory, is the flashbacks right. for Anna Lucia. Um But I remember watching this thinking, oh, that makes sense that she was a police officer. I'm like I didn't know that she was a police officer, but I remember when I saw the episode for the first time that I thought to myself, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I was the same way. I think I was the same way when I was watching as well. I I just I honestly can't remember at this point though if that was if that was my opinion of it or not. Right. So, but yeah, it's just, uh, I think there was a little bit more to the list aspect of it. I, I mean, but then again, it could also be just me overthinking everything about it. it. It could just very simply be Goodwin made the list and gave it to the others and the others took them. But I think if you, if you do analyze it a little bit more, you're absolutely right. There are some things that are amiss. It's like, why would they take Echo? If this list was purely the list of people who were good people that they were taking, why wasn't Bernard taken? And why was Echo, why did they try to take Echo? Because Echo yeah, is not I mean, a good person. Right. And when you really think about who is left after the initial, um, after the initial taking, takings, right? Um, Bernard was, it it wasn't even alluded to that they were trying to take him. And what we know of Bernard, uh, you know, from the entire series, Bernard was probably the best one out of all of the tailies. I don't think there's a probably there. I think he is the best one of out of the tailies. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just this kind, decent man. And so it just did not make any sense to me what he was saying. Oh, they only take the good people because my first thought was, uh, you didn't try to take Bernard asshole. Well, because I mean, you look at who's left. Cindy gets taken eventually as they're trying mm-hmm. to make their way back. So Cindy's uh, Cindy was very obviously on that list of, of people that they take. Uh, it, Bernard the kids were taken. The kids were taken. Bernard wasn't taken. Libby if you when you find out more about her backstory, you can understand why she was left and not taken uh, Poor be- Libby. because she was lying about who she was. Um, and so was Kate and Kate was a good person, kind of. Yeah, but she did still kill people. Uh, she killed the, the, the right person. People. It, it, she, except. OK, that that's a, a discussion for another. Day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's yeah it's it's a matter of uh we'll talk about that when we get to what kate did yeah oh yeah that's right how's that uh, that works that's that's a good we'll plan. put a pin in this okay that sounds good okay <laughs> um all right so that was your number two i kind of already went into my number three a little bit with the list so uh, i'll let you go back to back again what's your your third point for the show um actually that was my my third oh, was it your third was okay about not setting up a watch i mean 
Oh, you said number two, but you're right there. That was your third. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've been scratching out my points and I said, oh, that was my third one. OK. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, all right. So then, I mean, I'll, I'll just jump back into it then. And uh, I'll mention uh, one of the best things about this episode to me was the fact that uh, the, the Nathan versus Goodwin dynamic of this episode was. Oh, that was what. Oh, <laughs> no, that wasn't. I'm sorry. Mine wasn't Goodwin versus Ethan. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, then you could probably tack on to mine a little bit um, afterwards. But this show, rewatching, because I watched it twice. Uh, I always, I'm now into that point where I watch once as a fan and second for notes. Because it's the best way. It really is. And watching this, this episode like this, man, they did a really great job of making you believe that Nathan was the spy and Goodwin was on their side. Uh, because up until this point, we've gotten mention of the name Goodwin, but you didn't know he was um, the scout for the others at the time. And when you watch it, knowing it, that Goodwin was the bad guy, Nathan was just a douchebag. Um, there's so many great ways that you watch and you see how Nathan really plays the situation to his own behalf. Or not Nathan, Goodwin plays the situation to his own behalf of, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, uh, you know, it. I, I'm, I firmly believe that Goodwin was the one that was feeding Nathan when he was in the pit. Echo just happened to walk in who wasn't talking at the time. Analysia accuses him, knowing full well Echo's not going to reply. He just rides right along with it and lets Analysia believe that it was Echo that was feeding him. Uh, you know, Echo, Nathan says, we need to stay on the beach. Goodwin says, I agree with him. I'll let Nathan be the one that made that point, and I'll just be somebody that rides the wave. Like, he, as a scout, was brilliant in the way he literally played everyone. Well, yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the fact of what we knew from Ethan. Because Ethan tried to direct people uh, into certain scenarios. So Goodwin was actually a better spy than Ethan ever could have been. Right. So because Nathan was a lot like Ethan Fromm, I think it was easy for the viewer to believe that Nathan was, was the infiltrator because as a viewer, we know, okay, one of these is going to be an infiltrator because we had that at the front of the plane. So why wouldn't we have that at the back of the plane? Yeah. And, Goodwin was a very, very well done uh, red herring. Oh, yeah. Or Nathan was the good red herring. I'm sorry. Yeah, but no, I agree with you. He was he was uh, again. It was one of those situations where Goodwin just he saw an opportunity and he just kind of ran with it. Like, here's how Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just literally going to hide. Nathan's taking the lead. I'm just going to stick behind him. Well, and he became like kind of a confidant for Anna Lucia too. And what I loved is that Anna Lucia was so rough with Nathan. And then she completely changes her tactics with Goodwin and Goodwin fell for it. Now, because he thought that she was going to be a certain way. Yeah. Do you, do you think her opinion on Goodwin or she saw clarity on who Goodwin was, do you think she saw that from the start or do you think it took Nathan's disappearance for her to kind of start second guessing everything? Yeah, I think that 
no, it absolutely took her a little bit longer. I don't think that she saw Goodwin as a threat until until later in the episode after Nathan died. Absolutely. Or uh, disappeared. Disappeared. Well, we know him is dead because we see Goodwin kill him. But yeah, to everybody else, he simply dis- he escaped and, and ran off. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. I don't think she was smart on Goodwin from the start. I think it took her uh, Nathan's disappearance to kind of start to see things a little bit differently. The scene between Ana Lucia and Goodwin while they were sharing the mango and discussing the knife was really well done. Really well done. One of my, probably my favorite scene of the episode because of how relaxed Ana Lucia was, how kind she was, how easily she got that knife back from him. And then she just, when she went in for the kill, uh, verbally before they got into the actual kill. Right. Yeah. But when she went in for the accusation, she did it perfectly. And he changed on a dime when she found him out. And it was awesome. It was just so well done. I loved that scene. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It was, it's, it's super well done. And you're right. The casual nature in which she kind of calls him out on, Mm -hmm. on who he is, the whole, you know, uh, you know, I know your story now. I, I figured this out. You were, you know, when you came out, you weren't wet you got caught by Bernard and you played along with it. So, you know, it makes me wonder, was he meant to infiltrate or was he simply there to watch? Because had Bernard not see him, seen him in the woods, in the jungle, how would the situation have played out? Would he just kind of hood, hid behind a tree and watched everything or what? So can I, okay, so this, this goes a little spoilery, a lot spoilery, but <laughs> okay. we, but we get the much later. I can't remember. I, I think it's in season three. I I'm sorry. I don't know. But we get the third side of this plane crash uh, with what how the others reacted. I think that's I think that's the I think that's the season premiere of three. OK, so that particular episode, we see that the leader of that group says Go watch. So does that mean that the tactic changed after a bit? Do you know what I mean? Is it does he say go watch or does he, he say find out were... or does he say find out what you can? I think he said both. I I, I swear I, I you, you have could a be right. feeling I remember him saying watch. That but, ep- I mean to infiltrate, you have to infiltrate. <laughs> That's pilot 3.0. Oh, you know what? It could. It actually, I think it could be because you're right. We're getting another meanwhile story. Mm-hmm. Um, that so you ep- kind of, yeah, you get the other side of what Ethan and Goodwin were doing. That episode, by the way, is another episode that I love. And it's purely because of that opening. That opening is, I remember with that the book ep- club is the book club with Juliet yep. and yep, yep. It's a you know, great episode. And Ben walking in, I guess I'm out of the book club. And then, <laughs> which I, I, that's another phenomenal episode yeah, that I can't wait episode. till we get to talk about. So anyways, uh, with that information, when you, when you know about the third, the third side of this plane crash, I think that that's where we kind of know what the intentions of both of them infiltrating the camp really was. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, so that was my third and then our, my fourth, I don't know if, 
was that your fourth as well? Kind of yeah, I was into just it? talking a little bit about between Goodwin and Ethan. So yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so then uh, that'll lead me to my, my fifth point. And I could be way off on this, but this for my fifth point of the episode is, is really a continuity concern that I had. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but I noticed it even more so this week. And I even went okay. back and rewatched uh, the ending of last week just to make sure I was on point. At the end of last week's episode, we see two different sides. We see that with with the tailies, we see Cindy disappear, we hear the whispers, and then we see Anna Lucia yell, run, and they all run. The mm-hmm. next thing we see is Saeed and Shannon the two of them coming together, Shannon getting shot. And we talked a little bit about the differences of the weather dynamics. It's raining when they run into Saeed and Shannon. When Cindy disappears, they're in a jungle where it's not raining at all. However, in this episode, when they're, st- when they're starting to wrap up the story and tie everything back together and come back to present day, we see... Anna Lucia and those guys searching for Cindy. Where has Cindy gone? The whispers and everything come back. And then we we get the tie-in of the two stories together. Except this time it's raining. So I don't know if they refilmed it a little bit. Uh, because it wasn't raining last week when we and got to that And you rewatched it? I did. I rewatched it last week to make sure I was right. Um, that was probably a big just error. It, it could have been. I think... Uh, maybe they filmed the two. Obviously they filmed the two at different times and they didn't put together the weather aspect of it. I think maybe you can kind of be coerced to believe that this is after they yelled run, but if they ran away, why would they still be stopping to look for Cindy? Cindy's gone at this point, you know? Mm. Uh, So I don't know. There's a little bit of a continuity uh, concern there with that. It's not a big deal mm-hmm. to me, but it it did stick out to me this week. I think because we kind of addressed it last week. Have you ever tried running the audio of the whispers backwards like you did with Walt? I have, and it's just jump. It's just jumble. Okay. I did that last week. That because when we were doing when I ran the audio backwards with Walt last week, and I I did try it with the whispers, and it's. I think it's a bunch of different things being said at one time. Okay. So it's it's hard to distinguish. Okay. But I did, yeah, I did think about that. I just, I, it's, it, it would take so much work to kind of separate it, and I just don't have that kind of time. <laughs> or really want. Or, yeah, or really want, yeah. <laughs> or, or really urge to do so. Some things can, make, can remain a mystery. That's yeah, okay. exactly. I think it's basically just... A bunch of different stuff jumbled together. I don't think it's any one thing being said. I think there's a number of different things being said. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a good point. It, it could be something. There could be something there. I just, I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but what about you? What's your your final point for the episode? Okay. So I'm kind of glad that this was left for last. I I was just going to stick it in wherever it felt natural and. I guess this is it. Um, And that is the male versus female leader portrayal in this show. So we see Ana Lucia for the past hour of this episode. And this is the first extended episode that they've done of Lost since it started. Um, It's five minutes longer than every other episode thus far. Um, 
what we see is we see Ana Lucia up against enormous odds. She does not have any of the benefits that Jack had in the pilot episode. Uh, they land and I, and I, and I touched on that all uh, earlier with, you know, where they landed, what they had access to, uh, who they had access to. Jack is, and, the worst. and we talked oh. about this extensively on the podcast. Jack is not the greatest leader. Jack is not the nicest guy. Jack comes out as an asshole pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> and yet everybody still looks to him for leadership and respects him immediately as a leader. Ana Lucia, she didn't want the leadership position. You know, people just naturally went to her for some reason. Uh, like when Libby said, hey, you know, Donald's leg is getting worse. And Ana Lucia is like, what do you want me to do about that? Yeah. You know, like, why are you telling me this? You know, she was the one that had to make a lot of decisions and she was shepherding people. Um, and yet she is viewed as unlikable. She's viewed as a bitch. She's viewed as something entirely differently up under more stress and under um, and against greater odds than Jack. Jack doesn't have nearly the amount of trouble that Ana Lucia had in these first 48 days. Now, granted, he went through a lot. They all have. They've all been through traumatic experience after traumatic experience. However, Jack, is, from an audience member standpoint, is held up as a leader who is doing what he has to do. And Ana Lucia is just an irritant. And that's how she's portrayed. That's how she's written. And it bothers me. Um, and it's the first time that I've actually seen it that way when I watch this episode. Because I haven't watched this episode in a really long time. And when you see this episode, especially when it's coupled with the next episode, and you see kind of who Ana Lucia is, and you know that she's going to be villainized for pretty much the rest of her tenure here on this uh, on the show. It, it's just really sad that it had to be written this way. And it's been written this way. Kate has been um, no has been written as an irritant and Jack has kind of placated to her. Okay, well you can come along. Okay, well I'm not going to give you the dynamite because you know, I'm the man and I have to carry the dynamite. So I'm not really sure why it's written that way. Maybe it's just because it was written over 10 years ago. I'm not sure, but Jack really is worse than Ana Lucia. Um, and it's and it's a shame that it was written that way because I really think that their leadership styles are kind of the same. It's just that one had enormous benefits over the other in in this traumatic incident. What do you think about that? No, I I agree with you. It's it's one of those points. You're right. We've kind of talked about this a little bit already in the past, and uh, you know, kind of to to explore it a little bit more. When we first met Anna Lucia in the last episode, we we kind of come across <clears throat> she comes across as somebody who's kind of villainous, and it's it's more of a situation where you know she doesn't have the respect that Jack has had before uh, in the past. You know, we said how 
Echo just kind of goes and does his own thing. Bernard teams, you know, backs Michael before he backs Anna Lucia. We've, we've kind of made those points before, but this episode really does shine a light on the fact of the point that you made. And I completely 110% agree with you. They have had, <clears throat> Anna Lucia has had a much more traumatic experience than Jack. Uh, because of the fact that you hit the nail on the head, they have nothing. They arrived with nothing but the clothes that they swam to shore on. And, you know, Jack has had the opportunity of having medical supplies from the plane. They've had food that they've been, there's more people. So there's more people to do more things. Um, the only people that they've lost were people that, you know, were like Boone and one or two other people that were killed by Ethan. So out of a core group, Anna Lucia's group has lost so much more already having so much less. Mm -hmm. So Jack was kind of the person who kind of stepped into the leadership role. And Anna Lucia was the person that kind of had it unwillingly thrust upon her. So I agree with you completely. I think it's, uh, it's the, it, their leadership qualities are very similar, but it comes across differently because their scenarios and their situations are so much different. The only the only thing to me that these two scenarios have in common is the fact that they are survivors of a plane crash. Mm -hmm. That's really so it. let me so let me ask you, how do you think their stories would have been different had Jack been a Tailey and Ana Lucia been a Losty? Um, that's a good question. Uh, if Anna Lucia was a losty, I, I'm not necessarily going to say I think she would have stepped up to the leadership role that, mm -hmm. that Jack did. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you. I, I don't, I don't think she would have been a leader. I think she would have definitely been a big member of that support system. But I don't think she would have. I think she would have came across more as a sheriff than a mayor. Uh, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, where, you know, Jack is kind of the mayor and she kind of. Uh, but the question is, if Jack was a tally, who would have stepped up in that leadership role with the Losties? Uh, I think there's a good possibility. I, I could put it on one of two people. I I don't think. I don't think it would have been Locke, to be completely honest. Um, no, Locke was going through his own yeah, his own stuff in the first couple of days. The guy could walk for the first time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if it wasn't Jack, I could have seen it becoming either Saeed or Kate, which um, was the initial. Uh, direction of the show which we we actually have That's some we have some feedback this week that kind of yeah that kind of touches on that um because i think if nothing else not just because of the fact that that was the initial idea of the show but when you look at the characters and their dynamics and their backgrounds kate is somebody who wanted desperately for nobody to find out who she was and mm -hmm. What better way to do that than to take the leadership role so you can kind of misdirect everybody when you can control the narrative. Exactly. So I think I, I agree. I think if Jack wasn't the leader of the ta if Jack was a Taylor, I think Kate most likely would have been the one to step up into that role. And Anna Lucia probably would have been kind of like her enforcer. Would have been the Kate. Yes, she would have been the Kate 
to 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 Kate. Um, now, looking at the situation the other way, if Jack was a Tailey, oh, that's that's the even harder situation because I I don't think it would have been Echo. I think Echo kind of took his own role, kind of the same way Locke did with the Losties. Um, I think. I'll be completely honest. I think that group would have been screwed. Screwed. If, if I totally Anna agree. If was not there. Because, <laughs> they, all, they all would be dead. <laughs> because I think if nothing, I think if Jack was a, uh, was a Tailey and Anna Lucia was a Losty, I could see that situation playing out where Goodwin stepped up to be the leader, which is not a good situation since he is the person that infiltrated the group. I'll do you one further. I think Jack would have been taken on the first night. I do too. I, I do too. I, I don't think he would have made it past day one. And I think Goodwin would have stepped up to take that leadership role because he would have seen it as an opportunity to, he would have seen the opportunity to do it, which meant so, he controlled the entire situation and right. that group would have never made it to the beach to join the losses. So with that in mind, then how do you conclude who's the better leader of the two? You're right. The the Losties would survive without Jack. The Tailies would not have survived without Anna Lucia. I think that's important. I think to that's ex- I think that's extremely important. I mean, and it, it's it's an unfortunate circumstance as to why uh, Michelle got Michelle Rodriguez got written off the show. Um, I know it, because it is it it is it does pertain it had to nothing to do with her character. No, it was it was her personal life that got in the way, which is rather unfortunate. Uh, same thing with with Libby. Um, but it would be interesting to see how things would have played out differently if that didn't happen and Anna Lucia remained a character. I really, really loved Anna Lucia on this show, especially I. I but I liked Michelle Rodriguez. You know, I still do. So I I don't know. I, you know, especially now watching for a podcast in this rewatch, it's just, um, it's just sad. But, you know, I'm glad you did save that for last because I do, I'm, and I applaud you for that because that actually is a really good point. This is a great episode to use and, reversing those roles, putting Anna Lucy with the Losties and Jack with the Tailies and reevaluating everything really does shine a light on who was the better leader between the two of them. Yay. So well done on <laughs> Thank you. that being last and, and making that point. Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's really, that is really important. So, and it's, it sucks. Cause you're right. I wish we did get to see more of Anna Lucia cause she's another one of those characters that, you know, similar to Sawyer and, and, you know, maybe one or two other characters, you really had a strong dislike for at first, but really gain a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. And it's because when you, it's, I think it really is this episode that does it because mm-hmm. we, we talked about the dynamic of putting this episode in between seeing Sawyer, seeing Shannon get shot and now this and then afterwards because it really does shine a different light on Anna Lucia. Mm-hmm. She's villainized and then that makes it worse when she when she shoots and kills Shannon. Then you get this that completely changes your opinion and then you get the aftermath where your opinion on Anna Lucia is completely different now. She's mm-hmm. not as big a villain in your mind anymore. So now when you revisit this and you come back to this, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Now we kind of hope she 
survives this because we want her to. Mm-hmm. So brilliant on both that at the portrayal of Anna Lucia and where this episode fit into the story and into the narrative. So agreed. Uh, do you have any notes? I do. I have a couple things. Um, okay. We kind of touched base on how Anna Lucia, we thought she was the worst, but she's definitely a smarter character. We touched base on that. Um, I think it's an interesting point to note that between Ethan and Goodwin, neither one of them returns. Neither one of them actually survives to make it back to where they came from. <laughs> um, I, and then further, further saying that Ben's like, fine, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really what happens. I know. <laughs> he really does be like, I'll do it myself. I can do it myself. Um, I have I have three things here um, that are worth noting. Um, I loved uh, Libby finding the glass eye. Uh, because that is... It, the glass eye doesn't come into effect, but it is related to a character who we will meet this season. Yeah. Uh, which is Mikhail. Mm-hmm. Who, I I liked Mikhail. I, I do too. He wasn't too. he wasn't a great person, but he was fun. He was fun, and uh, apparently, oh, he was kind of like uh, Michael Myers in that you could never kill him. He <laughs> yeah. always seemed to survive every situation. So uh, it was a reason. fun. It was fun Easter egg. It was glass eye. Don't <laughs> worry. Hang on to that, Libby. You may. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other two points that I have to make kind of go hand in hand, and that is um, seeing uh, the the beginning of Mister Echo's staff um, and mm. what he's scratching into the staff, which we will find out uh, a little bit later on. Uh, what what it is and what the meaning of it is. But I want to pose a question to you for my last note, um, because it's something I looked into and I couldn't find anything uh, about it. And I wonder what, is there any significance to echoes 40 days of silence or was it uh, the yeah. fact that he just kind of decided to speak at that time? Well, in the Bible, um, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and he prays for 40 days. Okay. Cause I, I knew there was a, I knew there was a fasting element of it, but I guess maybe echo made it his own and his form of fasting was silence. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and then Noah was on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay. So there very, there is, see, I'm it's not a as, biblical reference. Okay. So the number 40 is a biblical reference. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. That, Which is why he has so much scripture uh, carved into his staff. Yeah. Oh, I do know that religion plays a very big part into who he is. And we find right. out his brother Remy was a priest. So, you know, right. he's kind of taken up that role for his brother, which I right. can't, I don't remember what episode that is, but his backstory is another fantastic episode. I love Echo. Like, I, he's another character who unfortunately was written off way too soon. I love Echo. So, um, but that's it for me. How about you? Any other final notes of anything you wanted to bring up? So just, just small things. One of them is that we did see the teddy bear. Yes. Yes, we the did. Teddy, so it proves that the kids are still alive because, um, we saw the teddy bear a couple episodes ago when Echo and Jin were hiding in the jungle as the others, uh, tiptoed by. And at the very end, you saw a child with a bear, uh, I also noticed that um, at the very beginning of the episode, Echo was pulling people out of the water. He was saving their lives. And when Ana Lucia saw that he was doing that, she went to go help. 
So she wasn't really leading at that point, which further emphasizes that she probably would have been a better support role for leadership uh, had she been in uh, the other camp because uh, sh- she's good in a crisis, which also leads me to when she went to go save Bernard, Goodwin was like, let's go get him down. Let's get him down. And Anna Lucia was very calm, very methodical. She showed that she was good under pressure and she knew how to calm down a victim uh, who was going through his own shock at that point. And she saved him in, in that scenario, which mm-hmm. I thought was really great. Um, she also showed that she's trained in life-saving techniques because she saved Emma with CPR. Uh, she was very, very soft at the beginning of the episode, and it wasn't until the end of the episode that we see her become the hard character that we now know her as. So it was nice to see that she was soft and um, she kind of had to steel herself and keep moving forward. And I just loved uh I thought that the scene between her and Echo at the end of 40 days without crying versus 40 days without speaking was just really lovely. Yeah, I did too. I thought that was a really great scene between the two characters to see, you know, this one to to see this character who has been trying so desperately, uh, even though she didn't want this role of leader, she, she kind of took it on unwillingly and tried has been trying to be strong for this group to see her kind of just take that moment of her own and, and break down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I think there's something really beautiful about that. Yeah. And it, and it goes to show a woman's strength and I, and I know I keep going back to that, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. But you know, I've, I spent a lot of time last year alone with my kids because my husband was gone for most of last year. And we went through a lot of trying circumstances last year. And I remember having those moments where you have to go after a while, like you can't be strong anymore until you can actually find an outlet for yourself to just kind of like have a little pity party and then steal yourself and move on. Yeah. And I thought that that was done really well and and really believably. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. And I think, yeah, that's just, there's something, again, there's just something, there was just something beautiful, beautiful about that. And you're right. Mm -hmm. I don't don't think there's nothing to apologize for to keep going back to that point because, um, you know, this is a, a, she was a strong female protagonist and it's, it needs to be pointed out. You're right. The show was 10 years ago, but maybe that's kind of where the show was a little bit ahead of its time in that it was making a point to, they could have done better mm-hmm. with it. Um, but they were at least making an effort. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of applaud them a lot on, on that a little bit, but again, it, it could have been done better. Oh yeah. It could have been done way better. Yeah. <laughs> but but still the, the, but it was over 10 years ago and you know um the they, they at least can, attempted it yeah right yeah no i agree um anything else on your end before we, we wrap up the discussion on the show nope I'm on good. the episode uh cool so then before we head into our uh, uh our feedback for the episode which we do have a bit uh and i'm excited because we've got some new feedback this week um, let's go into our final edition of the Manifest Minutes, at least for now, hopefully for now, uh, as we did get the season finale this past week, uh, estimated time of, estimated time of departure, which 
I, you and I, as I found out, we have kind of different opinions on this finale. Yeah, we do. Um, I I kind of praise it a little bit. I was uh, a little excited as to what that what happened, and I think you were kind of bored with it. Bored. Bored. Well, the first point I want to make is I mm-hmm. made a very bold prediction last week. Uh, in that I predicted that Jared was going to die at the hands of Zeke. And you were like, no, that's not going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. As a, a number of people came back and said, I hope your prediction doesn't come to fruition. So at the end, I'm jumping right to the end of the episode as we get that whole moment of Jared confronting Zeke. They get into a scuffle. The gunshot goes off. And what happens? They leave us in a cliffhanger. Oh, no one's dead. Nobody got shot. That was either a misfire or a warning shot. I think one of two things happened. I think, well, one of three things. I think one, I nailed it, and Jared is and and Jared is dead because the gun accidentally went off in the scuffle, and Jared's going to be shot. I think two, you could be right, and nobody got shot. The gun just went off. Or three, Michaela was hit. Because, no. No what? No, because it showed her reacting afterwards. But if it was a gut shot, that could be the same reaction. Um, I don't think that I, you you know what? I, gosh, I'm (laughs) so bored with this episode that I don't care. I don't care who got shot. (laughs) Isn't that the worst? It is. I just don't even care. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Well, okay. All right, so we'll put that aside then, and because again, it is something that's not resolved. It is the cliffhanger that they left us in. We'll put a pin in that, and we'll kind of set it aside. It's it's the one thing that upset me the most because I made this prediction, and now I have to wait to find out if I was right. And if the show gets canceled, I'm going to be even more mad because I'll never know. Um, but let's let's kind of jump backwards a little bit. What was it about the episode that you just kind of fell flat? I don't I don't think that the big reveal of the fact that um 82 hours and 8 minutes or whatever that Griffin was was underwater and that's how long that he lived after he was underwater some whatever I I don't think that that's that that means that the plane survivors all have five and a half years until June something 2024. I just don't, I just don't believe that at all. I I don't think that that's, um, I, I, I just don't think that that makes sense because they, they didn't go through anything while they were on that plane. They went on a plane ride. They went on a very simple plane ride. They encountered turbulence and then they landed. It wasn't, they, you know, they flew into the Hudson river and people were trying to get that truck out for four days. And then the guy that was underwater happened to be alive. Um, you know, that is a completely different scenario than what the plane survivors went through. And if they wanted us to believe that, then they should have at least pretended that the plane crashed or something in the very first episode, but that was never alluded to. Um, and I just think that that was just completely forced. Um, the fact that Zeke says that he died and came back to life, his mother saying that that's the first time that we've heard 
that sentence. Zeke has never said that to Michaela. Michaela's never alluded to that. He said that he was just in a cave for two weeks and he came out and he started walking. Um, he never said that he died and then he came back to life. These are all things that have been written into a finale that are completely out of the blue. And I just thought that it was really, really forced to like maybe try and pitch a second season to the network rather than stay with the continuity of a story. Um, okay. If I may just yeah. to, to kind of not rebut, but just kind of do it, give, give my opinions on, on the notes that you made. Um, I agree with you on the whole, the plane survivors were not in the same situation to a degree. I, I think you're right. I think, um, uh, Griffin being underwater for, you know, at the time that he disappeared, I think that makes sense why he regurgitated all the water. Uh, I think when it comes to Zeke uh, a year later, he was dying of hypothermia. So I think when his time arrives, he he could potentially die of hypothermia in the middle of nothing. And you're right. The plane survivors was a completely different scenario. They were up in the air. They were in a safe space in a plane. They were just under turbulence. However, that turbulence was caused by a lightning storm. So I think mm -hmm. there is an element of something there. They could die of uh, the same thing that would happen to your body when you were struck by lightning. Um, so I think there is something there that could potentially happen to them. But theirs is a little hazier because it's not as clearly defined as being underwater or dying of hypothermia. Um, so that's just kind of my counter to that point. Uh, as far as Zeke and saying I died and I came back to life, I think that was simply something he was telling his mother to not give her this whole I disappeared for a year because I don't think his mother would have believed him if he said the same thing happened to me that happened to these plane survivors. Uh, I think he simply just said to his mother, I died and then I came back to life to simplify the situation. Uh because it if wasn't he's until an addict that is a less believable story to a loved one than than I got caught in the same thing as flight 828 seriously I, I i don't i just don't see how telling your rational mother who's already lost a child that you died and came back to life after going through drug and alcohol abuse and putting your family through all that i think it's that was poor writing if no, that I... if that you know what I mean? And and you're right. I don't think as somebody who was an addict or a drunk it, that wasn't the best way to put it. But I think if as, as her as his mother, if Zeke came to you and said that, oh, whatever happened to me happened to them. That's why I disappeared. I think she would see that more as an excuse as to why he left for a year. I think it took hearing that from somebody it actually happened to to make her believe it. Because that's what happens. Michaela goes to his mom and says, you know, the same thing that happened to me happened to him. And then she gets upset and says, well, I turned him away and I'm, I'm a horrible person. I think if it came from Zeke out of context of the fact that he knew Michaela and everything, she would have never believed him. So I think that's why he simplified the situation in saying that might not have been the best way to do it. But I think that's why he did it because he would he know he knew his mother would have never believed him. I think that you're right. I think that that that's exactly as it was written. That's exactly how we're supposed to take it. I'm just saying I it's not believable to me. Um, 
even in uh, a story such as this one, I think that we that we still need to be respected as audience members. You know, I, I just don't think that this was written well as a finale. Um, you know, having Grace be pregnant is ridiculous. Oh God, that that I will admit that annoyed me too. And the moment that Ben started getting all happy, I instantly in my mind, I'm like, Oh dude, it's not yours. Don't get happy. Like, yeah. It's not yours. But I mean, it, that, that was ridiculous. I was loving, you know, the mythology part of everything and, and all, uh, Olive and Ben are, are both, you know, working together. And, you know, I even loved the fact that, you know, Sanvi is just so obtuse that she can't see that this psychologist that just quote unquote keeps showing up now just says, Hey, here's a card and blah, blah, blah. Like the government is after you, the government's been after you like, and you're just going, you don't know who this doctor is. You don't know who this person is. And you're just going to go call a psychologist and you're not even going to talk to anybody about it. And she's just like, I don't know. They changed your character really, really quickly. Like she was a lot smarter at the beginning of this episode, at, at the beginning of the season. And I don't know if they just don't know what to do with her. I don't know if maybe they like changed the direction of how they wanted her character to go mid season or something like that. But this this is such a weird change. I mean, shutting Ben out and not talking to him about this kind of stuff, that's really strange. Um, and then you see that this the that the therapist is the major. And I thought that was a really cool reveal, but also a little predictable. Like the minute that she said she was gonna go talk to somebody, I said it's gonna be the major. And it was. Oh, see, so, I I didn't see that because I had kind of the moment that it was revealed that Zeke's mother was not the major. I kind of had written the major off for the remainder of the episode. So it, oh. it, it kind of was a little bit of a surprise to me to find out she was the therapist. Oh, OK. Yeah, I had a feeling it was going to be the major like the minute he said, oh, I talked to somebody because how else how what better way to get intel on everybody than to act as a psychologist for one of the survivors and infiltrate that way. Yeah. No, you're right. That that does that that does make a lot of sense. So but I hope it gets a second season and I hope that they get maybe a new a couple new writers. You know, maybe they really think out the second season. Maybe they were flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. I don't know, but there was a disconnect in the last few episodes for me. Um I just hope that the show sticks around because I love the characters. I like the story a lot. I just want to see it go somewhere that isn't going to be too campy. Understandable. Um, my final point on it, everything, too, is uh, as far as your point with Sanvi and the character, uh, I think you're right. I think it's a weird change that they've been making to her character. I think it's partly in because there's something very dynamic about a broken character. And I think at this point, there really was none. So for some reason, they decided to make Sanvi's character the broken character. You don't think that Michaela was the broken character? I, I think she was, uh, but I don't think she is as broken anymore. And I think that's why they decided to kind of change the tone a little bit and make Sanvi the more broken character. Because hmm. I think I think Michaela's really come into her own with everything. She's, she's taken... Um, 
a responsibility to the callings. She's been following them, making sure things get done. She's kind of uh, taken in stride or not taken in stride, but more kind of taken a step back and taken a look at the situation with her and Jared. And, and in many ways that's kind of made Jared a, a negative character because, you know, I think for a oh, little while we wanted Jared's the... character went down the toilet. Yeah. Especially these past couple of weeks. But, you know, she's the one that's kind of taken taken a step back and said, you're like, you know what? I can't deal with this right now. I made a mistake. I have to concentrate on what's more important. And that's what's going on with these callings and protecting my family. Mm-hmm. I think she's become a much stronger character. I don't think she's nearly as broken as she was when this when the series started. So I think that might have been why they made the shift to make Sanvi the broken character. I just don't think, I think you're right. I just don't think it's playing out the way they expected it to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do hope for a second season. I will watch it. I love the premise of the show. I love the puzzle aspect of the show. I just, I just, there's something missing. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing. Um, And maybe they just need a new batch of writers. Maybe. Maybe that's all it is. Hey, man, Walking Dead did it in season two. They completely changed out their writers and the show got even more successful. So maybe Walking Dead just did it again. And I think the show's better than it's been in a while. Yeah. Since season seven. So maybe that's yeah, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just not necessarily replace the whole team, but maybe they just need one or two new voices in that writer's mm-hmm. room. Yeah. So, but I was I was excited. I was I was very pleased with with the um the finale. I know, I'm sorry to be a wet blanket. No, I it's, really am, but that's, it was that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcasting with you is because it's I like when we have it's great that we share a lot of the same opinions. But every once in a while, when we have those different different ones, yeah. it's fun to talk about them. Mm-hmm. So because we're not going to fight about it. Right. No, <laughs> if, it's it's ridiculous to fight over something like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to fight over manifest and, and the manifest finale is yeah. is stupid. It means that we don't really have a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, any final notes on Manifest then, other than just hoping to get to second season? Or, uh, let's see. I hope that we see the captain next season. See him return. Yeah, I do. Because if it is true that they're doing some kind of to- uh, clock on the time. If he were to go forward in time again, does that mean that he shows up dead? Or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what does that mean for for the captain? Yeah, I I don't know, and I'm not trying to wrap my head around that yet. <laughs> I need to wait to find out exactly what we're we're gonna need to know. Or does he get the five and a half years plus whatever time elapses before we see them again? So he gets bonus time. Does that mean that if you find dark lightning and you fly into the dark lightning, you get to add years on to your life? Maybe that's what Ben and and Michaela and and Cal need to do is every five years, they just need to fly into lightning. (laughs) This sounds ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Grace. It's that time of the year. It's that time of the year. that time of the year again, I got to go fly into lightning. Like Joey, when you when I come back, you'll be an old woman, <laughs> but I will not have aged at all. 
<laughs> God, Sorry. no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, let's jump into some listener feedback. Uh, as usual, we, what do you want to do first? Do you want to do the emails or do you want to do our voicemails? Let's do some emails. Let's do some emails. All right. Uh. Um, well, we did get two this time, um, which, which is great. I love the fact that we're, we're starting to expand that now and more people are starting to send in feedback. Um, so why don't you lead things off, uh, with, uh, our first email. Okay. This first email is going to be from Jason Taboada. I hope I said that right. Apologies if not. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Hi, Ben and Kristen. This is Jason in San Jose. I'm really enjoying the pod, the Lost Revisited podcast. I've commented a few times on the Facebook page, but haven't really had the time to send in feedback for the podcast. I'm a huge Lost fan, and this is about my seventh rewatch of the series. Being a fan of the Lord of the Rings films in the early 2000s, I heard that Dominic Monaghan was going to be on a new TV show, and I was hooked from day one when the pilot episode aired fyi Locke is my favorite character on the show and my favorite episode is the constant not counting season premieres or finales anyway i felt compelled to write in about ben's observation about the others versus the natives of the island in the review of abandoned the others include both the residents of the barracks and those that dwell at the temple Throughout the years, the composition of the others have changed from the followers of Richard Alpert to the followers of Ben Linus as well as Doggin. Did I say that right? I think that's right, yeah. Okay. So Cindy and the kids, Zach and Emma, were indeed taken by the others. They were sent to the temple instead of the barracks. In season three, Cindy and the kids show up at the Hydra station for Juliet's trial. I hope this helps to clear any confusion. Thanks, buddy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank that, you for that. That that's that really cleared it up because that that was something that we talked about last week. That kind of uh, it's been so long since I've watched the show, so it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah. So thank yeah, you. Exactly. On to the other forty-eight days. I love this episode. Getting to see how the Tailies survived the crash and created a society different from the Losties was quite cool. On YouTube, someone made a really cool supercut of the Oceanic 15, uh, 815 crash using the pilot in the other 48 days. Oh, I want to see that. I do too. I also really enjoyed the Nathan and Goodwin dynamics. Who's the other? Speaking of, the actor who plays Goodwin has been on the new season of True Detective. Oh, Anyway, great episode. Love the drum beat montage at the end. Keep up the good work, and I hope to write in again soon. Until then, this has been Jason in San Jose. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to wrap up the email, too. <laughs> I hope I got the in in inflection right there, right? <laughs> I think you did. Until then, <laughs> namaste. namaste. <laughs> it, you know what it makes me think of, too? The way you read it, it makes me think of the end of Zombieland. Oh, cool. <laughs> Until then, this has been, uh, this is Columbus, Ohio. This is this is Columbus, and I can't remember the rest of it. I screwed it up already, but it does. It remind the way you read it made me think of the end of Zombieland. Cool. So, um, I would like to see this YouTube video. Uh, yeah, Jason, we should post it on our page. I think so. Uh, Jason, if you can, uh, when you listen to this, um, do us a favor and message us the link to that. We're gonna post it on the Facebook page for everybody else to see as well and watch it. Yes, uh, but thanks. <laughs> but thanks for the email. That was uh, great, and thank you for clearing up the whole thing with uh, with Cindy and the and the kids being taken by the others. And, and interesting point of seeing them show up at um, 
Juliet's trial, because I don't think that's anything I've ever noticed before. So I'm going to have to keep an eye on that when we get to that. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen the first, uh, I think, two episodes of True Detective of season three. So I'll be looking for Goodwin. Yeah, I think I, I think. I think he plays. One of the lawyers in the, in the present day, because it's just like the first season of True Detective where you go from like present day to back to like you, you skip over time throughout the whole season. I don't know if you've ever seen True Detective. I have not. Oh, the first season is fantastic. It's I, one of the, the best, best things I've ever seen. That's what I heard. I heard the first season is really good and the second season, not so much. Yeah, but this uh, season three is really good. It's just that we we watched The Punisher like the minute it, it dropped on Netflix. And so we abandoned True Detective and we didn't want to watch like heavy with heavy because True Detective so heavy and Punisher is so heavy. So we chose, you know, we chose we always choose comedy over that. So we need to get back to True Detective. Um, and unfortunately, you, you mentioned Punisher, yet another casualty of TV show cancellation. Stupid Netflix. I know. Yeah, it does turn out it's more Netflix's fault than Disney's. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, we do have another email, and this one comes from Tim Oliver. And Tim wrote a very lengthy email, but he did give us permission to kind of trim it down a little bit uh, for reading it. So uh, this email comes from Tim. He says, hey there, Ben and Kristen. I've just started listening to the podcast and ran through the first four or five episodes back to back. It inspired me to go back and watch Lost Again, which I haven't done in many years. Hearing you two talk about it reminds me how much I love the show and also what a different time it was in television. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend recently watched Lost for the first time and binged the whole thing. I was so frustrated because it clearly didn't have anywhere near the same impact for her as it did for me. And I think the difference in time invested was a big reason why. That's a real, I agree with that statement completely. It's, it's the having to wait week to week between episodes was a huge, huge part of that, that series and what made it so great. Mm hmm. Which is why I like the fact that we do one episode a week and we kind of wait to watch him every week, too. Mm -hmm. uh, his first big point, you've talked in the first few episodes about suspending your disbelief. I usually never have a problem with this in movies, in TV, though in Lost, I have one thing I can't get over. On a flight from Australia to L.A., how was there only one Australian on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> what, Australians don't fly? How did we not make a bigger deal about this at the time? How did Oceanic run their domestic routes? Uh, I mean, I know we have a tendency to get a little America-centric in this country, but yikes, I'm not sure if they're saying all Australians died in the crash uh, would make it better or worse. I think what they're saying, <laughs> just to stop you real quick, is that once you go to Australia, you don't want to go back to America. Uh, if you're Australian, that, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. That would be my point because I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> and my biggest fear is that I'm never going to want to come home. That'll be me with New Zealand. I'll never leave New Zealand. Yeah. Till they kick me out for being a bad guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be a bad guest. <laughs> uh, neither would I. I would want to live there so badly. Australia or New Zealand, like either one. 
Uh, point number two, on a more serious note, as I just watched the pilot, and specifically the pilot in the pilot, you know, the one who got turned into Smokey's chew toy, there, <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me about the story I heard that the creators of Lost originally intended Jack to be the one to get eaten by the immortal right. immortal man cloud thing with a little brother complex who sounds like he's perpetually on a roller coaster going up a hill um, <laughs> instead, of the Grun- instead of Grunberg the pilot. Their plan was actually to have Kate be the lead of the show and take on most of the roles and responsibilities that Jack had throughout the six seasons. But ABC, I think, or maybe JJ, I can't remember who was involved, told them no. They were scared viewers would be turned off given everything else happening in the pilot. Plane crashes, mystery, smoke monster, why nobody was getting sunburned. That having the person viewers thought was the star of the show die 25 minutes in would be too much. Uh, I'm so torn on that myself. I had no issue with Jack as a character and what he brought to the story, but I can't help imagine what a Kate-driven show would have been like. It would have been great. It would have been great to see a woman in that type of tough guy leadership role that seems to always predominantly be dominated by men, especially 10, 15 years ago. Though I think they sort of paid homage to that idea with Anna Lucia being the group, being the leader of the group too, uh, later on. Oh, this uh, is a timely email. Man. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> take care, Tim. So, Tim, first and foremost, uh, thank you for the email. That's uh, so many great points. And you're right. That email could not have come at a better time or a more perfect time. Yeah, especially after today's discussion. Yeah. But it, you're right. I think maybe how different that show would have been if Kate was the lead of um, – of the series. Well, and I think most people also now know that originally Jack was cast as uh, Michael Keaton. Wait. Or Michael oh, Keaton Michael was Ke- cast as oh, Jack. Okay. Um, on that, I actually did not know. Yeah. Michael Keaton was supposed to play Jack. And Michael Keaton agreed to do it, but he only wanted to be in that one episode because he didn't want to commit to a show. And then when they decided that Jack was going to be actually the main character of the show he left and they cast uh matthew fox instead okay uh, yeah i had uh, i had no idea that michael keaton was supposed to be that character mm-hmm. um that's very interesting to me because i i don't know yeah the show would have been completely different yeah so yeah but you know and game of thrones wouldn't have been so groundbreaking <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's funny I had to throw that in there. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because there is that dynamic of seeing uh, the twist of the ma- who you think is the main character die in the beginning and then somebody else step up into that role. There's it's like scream. Well, th- there actually is a horror movie that is exactly that. And I know you don't watch horror films, so you would have never seen this movie. I saw scream. Scream's horror light. Okay, but I saw it. Okay. And- it had the same kind of thing. Well, because Drew, the Drew Barrymore right. character dying in the very beginning. Um, but there is another movie called uh, Feast, and it's it's a horror film. And it's a very independent horror film. But the the you are introduced to this character who is this big, bombastic, male, tough guy character. Uh, and she's he's being served in a bar by this little petite bartender. Um, and his name is actually... 
like his I forget what his real name is, but his nickname, everybody calls him hero because he always steps up to to <laughs> to to fix things. So you're led to believe that this guy is going to be your protagonist. He is going to be the guy to get everything through. But then when all hell breaks loose in this bar, he's the first person to die. That's awesome. And the bartender is the one who ends up being the hero of the entire movie. That's awesome. So like that's ex- maybe that's where Feast got the idea, but I think Feast might have no, I think Feast actually came before Lost, so I'm not sure. Um but it's a cool dynamic to play with and I think it would have been very interesting nothing against um uh, you know, nothing against uh Jack. Um but or Matthew Fox, but I think it would have been a really cool dynamic to see them play with it. Well, and Jack is the worst. That too. So, (laughs) but yeah, you gotta say it. uh, Jack is the worst. He is the worst. (laughs) Uh, But thank you, Tim. And thank you, Jason, for, for your emails. Yeah, Uh, thanks. uh, Let's shift into voicemails for the episode. As usual, our buddy Steve Brown has left us voicemails for both uh, Manifest and Lost. Uh, So we'll go ahead and play them now, starting first with uh, his voicemail for Lost and the other 48 days. Hello, Kristen and Ben. It's Steve. And uh, I forgot how good this episode was. So I've got a a lot of notes, but I'm going to try to keep them quick. Um, I... By the way, from last week's episode and you talking about, I barely remember the natives or the people from the temple, so I couldn't answer that question. I uh, thought it was interesting to kind of call back to Ana Lucia doing proper CPR on the beach because remember Boone was doing it wrong, or as Jack uh, told them. And I know it's a story convenience, but I think I buy it, the fact that both groups found a person who was able to tell them the plane had been flying in the wrong direction for a long period of time so there wasn't this prolonged well we're going to be rescued kind of arc we didn't really have to go through that we had a little bit of it we get a little bit more of it later but uh, the both groups finding somebody who told them that was interesting and uh, the 40 days that uh, echo goes without speaking of course is a is kind of a biblical reference probably to the 40 days and 40 nights of of uh, the flood and other times of fasting are 40 days long and uh, we kind of see the softer side of Anna uh, in this. And then uh, one thing amazed me, it's only been a week since Boone died. Because if, if Bernard, if the radio transmission was on day 41, and this is now day 48, when Shannon gets shot, that means it's only a week between when Boone dies and Shannon dies. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, just can't wait to hear what you guys said. Talk to you later. I did not put that together. I That it had only been a week. Nope. Neither did I. It seemed like longer. But it's true because they said um, there is a point in the episode where Sun says, or not this episode, but in another episode where Sun says to uh, Kate when uh, she lost her wedding ring, she said, it's been four days. Yeah, I guess we just kind of, I think watching the episodes, we just kind of lose track of what the actual timeline is. So Boone and Shannon die only a week or so apart? I guess so. That's insane. 
They were, yeah. I mean, it it just goes to show they were kind of doomed characters from the start. Wow. So, but yeah. That, nice catch, Steve. Thanks. Yeah. And um, apparently I was the only one oblivious to the 40 days or the 40 days of silence thing. But well, Steve and I are Steve and I are, are Christians and, and we're pretty up with our Bible. So, yeah, I'm not as much. I mean, if you're not. Yeah, if you're not, you're going to miss that. You know, I mean, so. I, I had that feeling it was some kind of religious implication, but I wasn't too familiar what it was. And then that's why I, I brought right. it up and and Steve kind of solidified it. So, yeah. Uh, but he has left us, of course, an email on Manifest as well, or a voicemail on Manifest as well. So let's go ahead and play that now. Hello, Ben and Christian. This is Steve. And uh, if this show doesn't come back, there's going to be a lot of people not happy because uh, this is uh, oh, this is for Manifest for uh, estimated time of departure. Yeah, that was it. It's a long title. Um, just uh, I want to say that at the very beginning of the episode, as soon as Grace said that she wasn't feeling well, I wrote down in my notes, I said, is Grace pregnant? So I saw that, that coming and probably a lot of other people did as well. And I also was, was pretty sure it was going to end up being that it was going to be questionable, the time frame because they showed us Danny in the, the previously on thing. So uh, probably everybody figured that one out. <clears throat> but anyway, um, a lot of good stuff in this, in this episode and uh can't wait to hear what what you guys thought and uh this show is uh it's it's really good and i'm uh uh it's gonna be interesting i it's gotta come back it's gotta come back i just uh there's so much that the, that reveal of the major being the therapist that uh, that zombie's gonna start seeing and just all the all the other things uh, we saw here, the the reveal of there may be a time frame uh, for death, uh, but that doesn't. I don't know if that really tracks because they. It, it's not like the plane crashed, and they came back. I mean, so it, it's it, there might be a difference. I don't know, but it it, it would seem that maybe. I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't see how it's, there's a direct correlation there, uh, but we'll see. Uh, talk to you later. Yes. Yes, Steve. <laughs> yes, you're right. Steve and I were like this. <laughs> uh, look, I agreed with you on that point. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that he caught on that she was pregnant that quick. I did not. I was just, I kept waiting for Danny to show up in the episode. I, I didn't catch on that she was pregnant from the start, but he did make a good point in that when I saw Danny on the previously on, I knew in some way, shape or form, he was going to be involved in this episode. So when it did, when she did reveal that she was pregnant, that was when I took that step back and I was like, eh, don't get too happy. It's Danny's. Oh yeah. The minute she said she was pregnant, I think everybody said, Oh, okay. That's why we saw Danny. But when it said previously on manifest, I never said, and she said she didn't feel well. I was like, okay, well she doesn't feel well cause she hasn't slept or whatever. Like I, I just, maybe I just don't care about grace enough yet as a character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, she's getting the flu bummer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, maybe not that. I don't. It might not be that like you just don't care about Grace's character enough to say like, oh, she's getting the flu bummer. It could be like, oh, she's getting the flu. Oh well, there's a lot more other important things going on right now than you getting right. the flu. Right. Like yeah, the fact like, that oh, your great, son. Wait, way to make it about yourself. <laughs> oh, it'll feel good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The way to make it about yourself, Grace. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that made me laugh. Thank you for that. You're way to make it about yourself. <laughs> uh, but thanks, Steve, again for for your great voicemails. We love when you you leave us voicemails yeah, every week. Great insight. Oh man, that made me laugh. Uh, I'm literally my eyes are tearing up right now. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it's not just funny because of what you said. It's the fact that I can picture you watching the episode saying it, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it so much funnier. Way to make it about yourself, Grace. As I'm taking notes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, God, that was great. Um, but yeah, thank you uh, to everybody who left us uh, feedback this week. We highly. It's so... I'm sorry. I'm just. It's so great to get feedback from new people. Thank you so much to everybody. Yeah, and we encourage all of you to to leave us uh, feedback because as as you see, we do read it and we we do love it and. You know, we'll talk about it on the episode when we get to this point. So uh, if you want to leave us feedback, we encourage you to do so. There are multiple ways to do it. First, of course, and foremost, uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We're on Instagram at lost revisited pod. And I swear I'll get some more posts up there. I <laughs> promise. I keep I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. That's all right. It's there and people can still follow us on it. Uh, you can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Or you could send it on <laughs> Facebook Messenger. Yes. Yeah. Either way, we'll, we'll get to them. And, uh, uh, you know, as we mentioned, we love them. We love especially when they come from new people, which is always great. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we encourage you to follow all this, not just this podcast, but all of the other great programs on both the Next Level Podcast Network and the Podcastica Podcast Network, uh, including Kristen's House Podcastica Podcast, which is always great yeah. every week. Thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, as far as Next Level goes, we're working on... Uh, there's going to be some new. There's already twelve podcasts on the on the network, including this one. Uh, there's going to be, I think, at least two or three more in the next couple months. Cool. Uh, one of them being one that just kind of came out of nowhere from a missing letter in a in a comment that you <laughs> left. <laughs> On a post, uh, you were asking me about the TV show Man with a Plan, and you forgot the L, and it came out as Man with a Pan. I got excited and said, ooh, is this a new cooking competition show I haven't heard of before? <laughs> and you were like, no, I meant Man with a Plan. And it kind of turned into an idea for a food and beverage-based podcast. Which is uh, going to be launching relatively, I hope, within like the next month. 
That'll be fun. Yeah, at which I know I'm definitely going to have you on from time to time to talk about some different stuff and some of our other friends. But I'm already reaching out to some nutritionists and restaurant owners and chefs and uh, to kind of fill the programming. So it's 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 going to be fun. It's going to yeah. I think that that's a really fun idea. Very fun. So, uh, anything on your end from different podcasts that you want to make mention of or? Um, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, no, I, what am I listening to right now? I'm listening to, uh, a friend of ours, Derek O'Neill. He has a, uh, defenders podcast where they're covering the Punisher and it's pretty good. I really like it. I also know that Panels to Pixels on Next Level is covering the Punisher. Yes. So if you love that Punisher vibe, catch them both. And a, a huge The one sh- that I'm listening to, the Defenders one, uh-huh. it's three Irishmen. That's fun just in itself. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And Derek is a great guy, too. So that's a that's a good podcast to check out. Yes, absolutely. Um, a huge shout out, not just to Steve uh, Brown, who's part of the Panels to Pixels podcast, but our friend Mark Kirkman, who... Uh, is on that podcast as well. He did a, a big shout out this week uh, on their page to not just the Lost podcast that you and I do, but to uh, Strange Indeed and a couple of other podcasting podcast networks too. So he uh, is the best. Yeah. So big thanks to Mark for for the shout mm-hmm. out this week on, on that. Um, I want to recommend one other podcast that's actually not on either one of the two networks. Cool. And it's one that I've really been enjoying. There's only two episodes of it so far, but they've both been fantastic. Uh, Ron Burgundy has a podcast. Oh now. yeah, I heard about that. And it is <laughs> it is fantastic. Um, t- just take the character that you know from Anchorman and put him into the relatively new world of podcasting. And it's there are moments that make me laugh out loud, especially when it's every once in a while he'll go, let's take a call which you can't do in podcasts because it's not a live medium. And it's to hear his producer come in and say, uh, no, I've told you, like, we can't do that. Like, it's 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 hysterical. I If you're a fan of Anchorman and Will Ferrell, check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Cool, so, yeah. I've heard about that. And it's easy to get caught up on, too, because, again, there's only two episodes of it out so far. Uh, so, and apparently, it's, it's, it's the middle of, like, it's almost March, and he just did a Christmas episode. Perfect. So, yeah, it's it's all fun. pandemonium. And the first episode, he did a true crime episode, in which he calls out Ted Cruz for being, um, what's the the one killer that they there's he's it's rumored. the Zodiac. They, they, he calls out Ted Cruz for being the Zodiac killer. That's amazing, which is hysterical. Uh, but yeah, the Ron Burgundy has a podcast. I think is the name of that, which is is a lot of fun. Uh, any final notes on anything before we, we wrap this up? Uh, nope. Nope. Uh, me neither. So with that being said, next week, uh, we're continuing on with season two. No manifest, so manifest minutes are done, but uh, we'll be doing episode uh, season two, episode eight, Collision, which, oh, uh, God, I already remember one thing about this episode, and I'm going to cry. I'm Aww. absolutely going to cry. The we talked about it already, but it's the reuniting of Rose and Bernard. Yes. Which I, I re- might go watch that right now because I'm going straight to bed because I am fighting a very bad cold and I just uh, I'm going from my office to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know what I might watch it too just because th- to get a little jump start on everything. Uh, but 
watch that episode send us it your feedback uh and if we get the opportunity to read it on the air we will uh but other than that enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole take care We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!